A month ago, Kelly Dunaway was elected to the St. Louis County Council. Dunaway is a first-time office holder and has come to the county council at a time of transition. The Chesterfield Democrat joins us on the latest episode of Politically Speaking. Let's hit the music. This is Politically Speaking, the longest-running episodic podcast about Missouri politics. It's a little complicated in Bolivar because there is a Parsons family there. But we also knew that it was important to make sure that, that we got to where we needed to go. You know if you walk in a room and you're getting ready to make a decision and everybody in the room looks like you, you need to stop. And right now what happens in the United States Senate is as critical as anywhere else in the country. I really want the state to succeed. Well, we want everybody to uh, know that we're all working together. I just worked hard to try to build my name where I didn't have the money. Welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your host, Julie O'Donohue. I'm here with my co-host. Jason Rosenbaum. And our very special guest. Kelly Dunaway. Thanks. Thanks for coming in. This is my very first time hosting the podcast. So you are an extra special guest to me. Oh, yeah. Um, so, Kelly, you got elected to uh, the St. Louis County Council. What was that? Maybe three weeks ago? Four <laughs> yeah. weeks ago? It was just about a month. It was August 6th. Wow. Yeah. Um, yes. Jason and I went to your victory party. It was very festive. It was very festive. We, we chose the right party, I think, to go to. Um, I, I I think that uh, your race was the more high-profile one. Uh with all due respect to Councilwoman Rita Days, her race was never really in doubt. So everyone wanted to know who was going to win the second district. And, and it, yay, it was me. <laughs> it was you. Um, so can you tell us about the boundaries of your district? Mm-hmm. Which, Where does it begin and end? So at the southern part of the district and, a li- and to the southwest, it's a teeny sliver of Chesterfield, which is where I live. It's Maryland Heights, Creve Corps. Um, it's Overland and a little bit of Olivet, um, even a teeny sliver of Ladue, Edmondson, um, Bridgeton, Hazelwood. It, goes, it includes the airport. It includes most of the controversial um, landfills in the area. And we've got St. Anne and Woodson Terrace. I... I think I've about got it. Yeah. Are you the first elected official ever with the words D slash Chesterfield after your name? (laughs) (laughs) I mentioned that because my dad is from Chesterfield. (laughs) And like when Bill Otto was elected, for example, that might have been the first Democrat to ever represent my dad's historic home so (laughs) so have you broken another barrier by being a d chesterfield possibly so i'm proud to be a chesterfield democrat yes all right kelly i was hoping we could start out with you telling us a little bit about your background when did you become interested in politics so I think I have always been interested in politics. I mean, I was the nerd who was watching the news when I was, you know, seven years old. Um, and I, I don't remember my parents talking much about politics uh, when they were together. Um, but I remember my mom being a very pro-Reagan person. I don't know that she affiliated with a party necessarily. But then I just remember maybe maybe I just have that. Uh, that spirit about me of not wanting to be what my mom is. But I, I always remember I remember myself being a Democrat and associating myself with the Democratic Party, even perhaps before I really knew what that meant. And I, my understanding, and I know this because I interviewed you extensively, you are an Illinois native, but what? a Southern Illinois native, <laughs> not, not where I'm from in uh, suburban Chicago, but 
almost to like the Kentucky border. Yeah, like I mean, I'm from very rural southern Illinois. My hometown has less than 5,000 people. It's called El Dorado, and uh, it's about 50 miles east of Carbondale, about two and a half hours from here. I consider that my hometown, even though I'm from Evansville, Indiana, originally. But when my parents got divorced and my mom took a job as a coal miner, she moved us to southern Illinois, and that was a that's what I consider to be my hometown. I was eight-ish when that happened. Wow. Excuse my um, ignorance about this, but I don't normally as, uh, associate women with coal mining. Is that an unusual thing for a woman to do? Most certainly. My mom was one of very few women, um, and I I remember overhearing bits and pieces um, I think she was okay with it because in her generation you had to be, but I think that she was exposed to a tremendous amount of sexism and misogynistic behavior and terrible things that she just kind of laughed off because she had to be one of the guys. But I'm sure if I took a took a week in her shoes as a working mom, I would be horrified. So one of the things that we talked about when I interviewed you was your an accident, a car accident that you had when you were, I think, 17 years old. Yes. And it and it was a pretty big turning point in your life. I wanted you to explain that because it's a, regardless of like your politics, when you when people hear this story, it's a very inspiring story that I think people need to hear in full. So. Please, please continue. Thanks, Jason. Um, yeah, when I was 17 years old, I was. Um, it was at the beginning of my senior year of high school, so I was really excited. I was thinking about which colleges that I might apply for, and um, I had overserved myself uh, and got into a car. I was not the driver, but the car flipped over and I was thrown, and I don't remember any of it. But I woke up the next morning to a neurosurgeon explaining that I had shattered two vertebrae, and that. Um, I had damaged my spinal cord in both places and that with one injury like that, I could be paralyzed from the waist down with two, I would most likely not walk again. Um, and you know, you, you have a choice to make and I chose, that doesn't work for me. And so I worked really hard. I spent three months in physical therapy in the hospital and you know, I walked out with the help of like a couple of crutches and a wheelchair behind me in case I fell, but I was not gonna leave that hospital unless I was on my own two legs, Jason. And then I think after that you went to, I think Southern Illinois University mm-hmm. for your bachelor's degree and then you went to uh, UCLA to get your law degree. Even yeah. though you're a recovering attorney, you, you, <laughs> you, as you mentioned before. Um, can you just sort of explain what you do professionally? Because I think it's actually pretty interesting more so than most uh, people with a JD that I've met. Yeah, so I'm the director of learning and development at Brian Cave Layton Paisner, which is a global firm that um, started here in St. Louis. And um, in my role, I do a lot of listening. I listen to individuals. I run focus groups. I am on a continual assessment of where people are finding challenges in their work. And my job is to solve those. I do it through um, policy updates. I do it through designing and executing training programs, mentoring programs. Um, I do a lot of coaching and counseling. But my job is to help the employees at my firm rise to their greatest potential to provide the tools and the resources and the support to do that. Um, I want to circle back a little bit to your to your injury because I because um, we're on the radio and people can't see you. Can you talk a little bit about the repercussions you have now and and maybe I'm assuming um, you know m- many of us don't walk around with a physical disability whether that's 
uh, opened your eyes to any sort of uh, challenges that that um, people um, face? Yeah, I think um, I actually think it's a, a good time to be a person with a disability because there are so many more focuses on disabled helping disabled people feel inclusive as well as making sure they have the tools and the resources to live to live our lives to the fullest. Um, so yes, I walk with a cane. My legs don't work from the knees down. Um, I worked really hard for many years. I'm still in physical therapy about an hour a week today because I'm always trying to get as strong as I can in the parts of me that work to compensate for the parts that don't. Um, but it's hard. Like, it's really, really hard because I have to get up every morning and make the choice that I'm going to do it today because it's hard. Like, I have to strap on braces and then I have the cane. And if it's raining or snowing, I'm sort of like stuck. Um, but I think. It is really important to have this conversation and for people with a disability to have a voice because we do experience life in a different way. And I think it just adds more diversity to the conversations about how we should spend our tax dollars, what our policies should look like um, so that we can have a more inclusive society. I know you've only been on the job for two (laughs) or three weeks, but is there any areas of county government where they could actually intervene to help people, especially with physical disabilities, especially in like unincorporated St. Louis County. They're in charge of like sidewalks and streets. Is that something I I know that just because you have a disability doesn't mean you're going to be like on the forefront of disability issues, but having the experience often gives you a lot more insight than someone who doesn't. So is there anything county government needs to do more of to accommodate county residents with physical disabilities. I mean, that's definitely something I'm interested in learning more about. Um, I don't have any answers for you just yet, um, but it's certainly going to be a priority of mine to, to make sure that I'm engaging with people in the community with disabilities because they now have a voice. And I want to make sure that I'm representing that voice the best I can. Yeah, there could, there could be literally tens of thousands of people in St. Louis County yes. that have physical disabilities. So yeah. there you go. Okay, um, we will be back with Kelly Dunaway after this message. And we're back with Kelly Dunaway. Um, so moving, sort of fast forwarding a bit, what, what made you, well, I guess I want to ask first, what brought you to St. Louis? Mm-hmm. So I moved here for my ex-husband, actually. Um, the story is, is I lived in Los Angeles for 13 years, and I just, I, I needed more. I had I outgrew Los Angeles. And so I was moving to Washington, D.C. to start a new life. And um, kind of on the way, I stopped. I was a bridesmaid in a wedding in Chicago, and I met my now ex-husband. And he said, well, you can move on with your life. I was actually planning on going into the Foreign Service. Um and he said, you can go on with that, or you can move to Chesterfield and start a family with me. And I was 35 at the time, and I was crazy about him. And, you know, I was excited about but uncertain about this whole new chapter that I was going to take because I, I was going to do it alone. And I don't know. I, I, I'm not, I'm, I moved here uh, to have a family instead of a career as a, uh, as a diplomat, and I have never, ever regretted that choice for a second. When did you decide you were interested in running for local office? So I actually, it was it was uh, it was Donald Trump that um, made me decide to run for office, and it was because I saw sexism and misogyny like on full display on a national scale, and it won, and it won because 
women have not done enough to involve ourselves and to make sure that our needs and priorities are 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 being served and that our input is involved in policy making and so i was like no way like be the change you want to see and i actually uh, tried to run for congress two years ago um, and that when that didn't work out i just kept showing up because i didn't i wanted to help i want to serve and i didn't know what that would look like but then when this opportunity came to light um, i saw another path did you ever have any misgivings about running specifically for county council? And I say this to every county council person. They get paid $20,000 a year <laughs> to have people yell at them 50-plus times a year and blame them for all their problems, even if the county's not responsible. It is a true public service and sometimes thankless job. Like, what compelled you to think county council is the right position for me? Because I really, truly believe that at the local level, we can have real impact. I mean, even though St. Louis County is technically only legislates for unincorporated St. Louis County, we can still lead municipalities. We can still be the one with the vision and uh, an agenda that better serves our people. And if we can rise to that, if we can be that force, then I think we can really forge a new chapter in the region. What are going to be some of your major priorities on the council? I know that that's often a tricky question to ask because sometimes issues sort of pop out of nowhere and become very large. Um, Well, I think focusing on economic opportunity and development in North County is going to be a really big deal for me. Um, I'm also really, um, I feel very strongly about protecting the environment and um, doing what we can to mitigate the way we are affected by climate change. Um, And so if I can marry those two things, that is what I really want to do. Um, Solar panel installers is the fastest growing job in Missouri. It tells me that there is an opportunity for a green economy here. And with all of the space and the abandoned warehouses and old factories in North County, I think there is such a great opportunity to bring those types of projects in. Um, I'm also really going to be focused on working families and making sure that working families and working moms have the support and resources that we need um, to rise to our potential. And if that means, you know, pressuring the St. Louis County government to provide more or different types of benefits, um, that may be where it is. It may just be in uh, passing ordinances and, and rules where we can that will help make life a little easier on working families. When I talked with you for the for the article I wrote about it, you mentioned racial equity is going to be at the center of many of your decisions. First of all, I want you to kind of define that a little bit more specifically. I've heard a lot of people in St. Louis County in particular start to talk about that a lot more since Ferguson, but I wanted to give you an opportunity about how you're actually going to follow through on that and make it more than just a buzzword and actually something that shows tangible results. Yeah, actually the tangible results piece is a really, really good point to make because I think unless we are setting objectives and then setting goals along the way that we can measure, we're not going to meet meet our goals, which to me is more equity. I think if you look at the way that municipalities were set up in St. Louis uh, and white flight, they were set up to keep people out. And I think that we need to be thinking a whole lot more about, and I believe publicly talking about, how we have all 
every single one of us, we have been influenced by and informed by a racist society. And I know people get really uncomfortable when they, I'm not personally attacking any individual. I'm just suggesting that I wake up every day and I'm like trying not to be a racist today. And I just think that we need to recognize where racism has influenced law and policy and real estate zoning and people's lives and stop being so defensive and just try really hard to understand what it's like to walk in someone else's shoes so that we're all more complicit in a society that opens more doors. A lot of the talk about racial equity has often been centered around policing. And I understand the county council does not control the county police department, the police board does, but they they do control the budget of the police department. And that could be one area where they could push forward. But I think before you were elected, uh, there was a passage of body cameras. So that's one step. Is there any other steps you would want to see county police take tangibly to meet some of the principles you just talked about. Yes, I think I think we need to invest in really good implicit bias training. And not just the kind of training where you sit in a room and they're like, we, we all have biases and it's implicit, so it's not your fault. But actually making people recognize, accept, and learn how to work through how their biases manifest themselves and in their interactions with people on a regular basis. And I think until we are willing to invest resources and time in an effort to get people to unwind how racism has influenced the way they behave, we're never really going to make true progress. Um, You had mentioned that one of the reasons you decided to run for elected office was uh, President Trump. So um, as Jason has uh, mentioned several times in his coverage, now the county council in St. Louis is majority women well how you know what do you think what type of difference do you think that might make on on policy I just think that we are we are people who have had a different life experience and we de- we bring a different viewpoint and a different set of priorities and a different set of skills and I think that I'm hopeful at least that we create a culture that is collaborative where we're working together and accomplishing the goals of helping the people of St. Louis County. I really do have that hope. <laughs> do you think it's easier to have a collaborative culture when you have majority women on the council? I, I have found in my career it's somewhat easier to have a more collaborative uh, environment when there are at least as many women as men. Uh, there's more shared speaking time and more sharing of um, congratulations on the great idea. I, we'll see. Um, I certainly hope it's a trend that will uh, repeat itself all over the country. And I'm not expecting you all to agree on everything. And actually, I would say that would be bad if it was seven to zero on every controversial issue. Like, for example, last week or this week, for that matter, there was a some disagreement over medical marijuana barriers. And that's to be expected. People have different opinions on that. Can you? I did talk with you after the meeting about that, but this was a particular issue of having a thousand foot barrier mm-hmm. between medical marijuana facilities and schools, houses of worships and daycare. Just explain why you were opposed to that proposal. It's not that I'm necessary. I wouldn't be willing to die on that vine on a thousand feet. I just don't like the precedent it, that it sets necessarily because the voters of Missouri overwhelmingly decided that marijuana was 
for medical purposes. And we want to give everybody that wants to be a part of that new um, economy to have an opportunity to do so. And in some of the more densely populated areas, you can't really, it's hard to find a spot that would be in within a zoning, a, a zoning regular a place where it could be that is um, more than a thousand feet away from a place of worship, a school, or, or a daycare in St. Louis County. So you've been in office for like a month. <laughs> uh, could you tell me some of the like surprising things to you about being an elected office? There are a lot of surprising things, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, things that ha- I underestimated or didn't expect at all. And number one is how many people want my time now. Um, I don't know why I underestimated that. I guess because when you're campaigning, you have you have meetings all the time. So how could there possibly be more meetings? Well, you win. <laughs> and you take office and there are more meetings. Um, I'm also um, surprised by, I know my situation was somewhat unique by how much attention that I have gotten um, in my early days and how much attention has been focused on something that I, I don't think necessarily deserves that kind of attention. See, we didn't even we, bring that we, up. We, we I think <laughs> I, I assume you're talking about the fact that you swore in on a Dr. Seuss book. And yes. forgive me, I'm forgetting which one. It, it was Oh, the Places You'll Go. Um, and we we were going to talk about that. So I guess we're part of the problem, Jason. <laughs> we are. But to be fair, I did not like write a separate article about that. Because and why would you? Because, but I, I did notice it. And the Washington Post actually wrote about it. And I was very surprised as the person who was the point person behind your race that this of all things would get the national attention and not your views on or how you're going to like push forward or even like the fact that the council is majority women to me seemed a little bit more interesting but can you just sort of at the the risk of piling on like can you explain like your reaction to the reaction to this because I think it's been much larger than anybody expected well before we get that to that like I I am actually genuinely curious about the decision making that went behind being sworn in on a Dr. Seuss book so I I wanted to, to I wanted my kids to be included in all of this because they make sacrifices for my public service Two, like not as much as me, but you know, they're sacrificing their mom every Tuesday. You know, they're with a friend now, a babysitter, a nanny every Tuesday night. And I wanted to make sure that's that they... why Jason and I alternate Tuesdays. <laughs> oh, thank you for coming to county council meetings. <laughs> um, and I so and I wanted it to be a message of hope and inspiration and to empower any my kids to believe that, you know, you have brains in your head, you have feet in your shoes, you too, you can do what you want. You can build the life you want. And and that's what that was all about, was me and my two little kiddos and wanting to make sure that what's important to us stayed in that moment. This is a book that's important to you all, it sounds like. Yeah. When I was a kid, my coal miner mom used to tell me all the time, you can be anything you want to be as long as you believe in yourself and you work hard. And I wanted to make sure that I was giving my kids that same message and that book does that for me. I think that probably the biggest criticism you got is that people are used to seeing politicians sworn in on a religious text. And some people might have said, this is sacrilegious, secularism run amok. I mean, I've read some of the Facebook comments. I think that's exactly <laughs> what it is. You're being so generous. I, 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 some of it was probably a lot harsher than what I said. But 
How did you deal with that type of stuff? I mean, as a journalist, I sometimes get backlash to things I tweet or things I write, and I kind of just, like, let it go. But yeah. I think since this became a pseudo-national story, it was probably on a different level than that. And it was probably something that may have been a little difficult to absorb. I'd be interested to hear your take on that. To be honest, I know this is going to sound really petty, but I found it all really funny Mm -hmm. because I could not believe that so much was being made of this. And it was a personal choice between, you know, that I made for my family. And I could not believe that people were so upset by this. I'll tell you the one piece of criticism that I that did bother me were the accusations that I don't take this job seriously. And it's so absurd to me that anybody could think that at all when you think about how much energy and time and money and your personal life goes into becoming or trying to become a public servant. It's just, oh, that's that was the one that really got to me. Did you get any comments from other members on the county council? No one said anything about it. I don't even know that they noticed. It was just, we're so excited to have you here. And I barely noticed it when I tweeted it out. I said, she's now a councilwoman. And then somebody (laughs) else pointed out that you're being sworn in. So I didn't even notice. So anyways, (laughs) I think in the last few minutes, I do want to talk about something that will come up in the next few weeks. And that's the, the Board of Freeholders will likely be appointed. For our listeners... Um, The Municipal League of St. Louis has been circulating petitions to launch this process that could involve a city-county merger plan or other consolidation plan being voted on by county and city voters. This is probably more background than you need, but this was kind of a way to head off the now-dead, better-together plan and force a local vote when that plan was going to be voted statewide. The better-together plan is no more... I've written about it well enough. You can read about it in our archives. But now, like, we are going to have this local conversation about the future of St. Louis and St. Louis County. And the county council, if I'm not mistaken, has to approve County Executive Page's nominees to the Board of Freeholders. Is that correct, first of all? Yes. I be- as far as I know, yes, that is correct. So what are you going to be looking at when you're making this very important decision? And what's going to be kind of your mindset for this process going forward about city county merger consolidation. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm I'm actually excited about the board of freeholders. Um, I'm 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 hopeful that we will select a group of people that look like the county, that really truly represent the county. Um, I, I I think they should match the demographics of the county all across the board in terms of, you know, your, your economic diversity, your racial diversity, you know, your ethnic diversity. I, I think we need a really great mix of people um, from both the city and the county. In terms of do I think a merger is in our future? Probably not. I think there are way too many deeply invested people in this system that I personally believe is broken. Um, I see a very us versus them mentality when it comes to the city and the county, and the county doesn't want to take any responsibility for or clean up the mess in St. Louis City. I guess you can't see the air quotes um, on the radio, but 
I, I think that it is a disservice to our entire region to not see that St. Louis County lives or dies by St. Louis City. And I would like to see us, I would like for the Board of Freeholders to find areas where we can consolidate services and where we can make meaningful forward progress in ways that will bring more racial equity to the region and bring more opportunity to the region. Because right now, we are going to die by St. Louis if we don't all find ways to work better together. No pun intended. No, no <laughs> pun intended. Uh, you mentioned before the show that one of your other interests is filling other vacancies that no. the county executive needs to fill. I want you to kind of elaborate on that because that, that doesn't typically get a huge amount of attention or controversy, but that is actually one of the most important jobs of the county executive and the council to fill some of the vacancies. And my understanding is just a lot of them have been vacant or people are on expired terms. Like, Explain the problem and how you want to solve it, basically. Yeah, so it's not just a St. Louis County problem. Across the state of Missouri, there are 1,400 either um, vacant seats on boards and commissions or ones being served on expired terms. And I think it shows to a greater problem in Missouri that we have not worked to build infrastructure here for government or for for at least for the Democratic political party. And I think that, yes, Stinger wasn't paying attention. He wasn't doing his job. Yes, we know that. But I think this neglect must go further and deeper than just Steve Stinger. Do we have the right amount of boards or do you think there needs to be a reevaluation about whether some of these boards are 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 necessary? I know uh, in previous jobs I've had, this is like a bone of contention, whether, you know, whether we really need all these boards, um, you know, volunteer or otherwise. I think it's a really good question. And I definitely think an audit is in order, uh, especially because they are underfilled and they're not being a lot of them don't meet. They don't have any meeting notices. They're breaking all the sunshine laws like we have huge problems with our boards and commissions. And it may be that we need to eliminate some. I, I don't know. So before we let you go, I wanted to ask you the question I've been asking every new guest on this program, and that is to point out one or two things in your district that you think are particularly notable and you want people to know about. I know this is a dicey question because you represent a very large area and you don't want to be like, you know, saying one thing is better than the other, but. I'm not, I, I already have my two because oh it's very, okay. very exciting news. So on Saturday morning, um, we will be opening the Centene Ice Center, which is a very exciting new community ice center in Maryland Heights. It's where the blues will practice, but there, there will be um, open skating and classes and lessons and leagues. Super great for Maryland Heights and for the district. And then the sportsplex that we talked about earlier should be um, getting themselves ready to cut ground, hopefully this year. And I, I'm just so excited about the opportunities that that brings, not just to Hazelwood, but the whole region and to see that reuse of that property is like my dream as a as an environmentalist well thank you so much yeah thank you so much for coming in kelly thank you guys so much for having me it's great to be here all right you can read all of our stories at stlpublicradio.org and you can follow me on twitter at js o'donohue and you can follow our co-host jason rosenbaum at j rosenbaum and 
Um, where can we find you on Twitter or anywhere else on the World Wide Web? Uh, on Twitter, we're at, at Dunaway Kelly, and on Facebook, we're at Kelly Dunaway, Councilwoman for St. Louis County Council District 2, I believe. That's a long title. I know, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. Thanks so much. When I was born to call miners' daughters.